Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story with your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Health Tech Hustle podcast. Today I am joined by another awesome guest, Mr. Kyle Spencer. He is the Director of Strategy for Dennis Advisors and he's going to jump on and just talk to us today about what he's doing in the industry and his background in uh, health tech. And so with that being said, Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Rodney. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, let's just jump right into it. Why don't you give the people a little bit of background of who you are and what you're doing and how you ended up in your area of expertise? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. So I've spent a lot of time in healthcare, healthcare technology, and with healthcare professionals, really. Over the past decade, I've been in multiple practices, whether that be with chiropractic practices, dental practices, or medical practices, and that's not as a patient. That's as like a, an advisor, a consultant, or a service provider. And so I am very passionate about the healthcare field, and especially the technology side, and just making sure that the healthcare professionals, the business owners are taken care of because there's a lot of demand on healthcare professionals. So yeah. 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 So kind of want to, I know you have a background in health tech and we'll get into that, but I kind of want to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about what you're doing over Dennis Advisors and what sort of platform you created and what are you offering to them? So at Dentist Advisors, it's really a specialty financial services firm where at specifically at Dentist Advisors where we cater to and help dentists make smart decisions with their money. And some people would call us like a financial planner and we really are financial planners. That's where we're licensed and we're regulated by FINRA and the SEC. But our system is entirely different from the majority of financial planners out there. Most financial planners might sell some insurance or give you like a plan, but Reese Harper and Ryan Isaac and several other people on the team, we've created a proprietary system whereby we can measure people's financial indicators. And we call it the element system. And sometime this year or in the near future, we're going to be launching the elements platform, all these financial indicators for any professional service provider. That could be a nurse, that could be a doctor, an anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist is a doctor, obviously. But it's these indicators that tell somebody how to make smart decisions with their money. And if you're a client of dentist advisors, we proactively dive into the research and we produce reports and we help a dentist know the best moves to make with his or her money, whether that be with insurance, purchasing a building, buying a new house, buying a rental property, where and how to invest their money. But it's based off of the indicators and the system that measures all of these areas of somebody's financial health. Okay. And so how did you actually come across that idea and making that transition, so to say, from your past companies to building something like this? And was there something 
that you noticed a problem in the industry that you noticed and you didn't really see a solution. So you went out and created that. How did that whole process come to fruition? So taking a step back, like I started my professional career in the like services industry. Like I owned a construction company and a landscape company, demolition company. And then from there progressed to real estate investment and management. Enjoyed that. That was fun. Uh, But I wanted to understand business more and more. And so I got a degree in business management. And right after I got out of school, I was doing consulting work. And I ended up doing consulting for a lot of health practitioners. And in that process, I got to learn a lot about practice management and practice management systems. And from there, doing a bunch of consulting, then I decided to get an MBA, got an MBA and started to do more consulting. But shortly after I finished my MBA, I started, I partnered up with an anesthesiologist who had built a practice management system. And that practice management system was running his practice and a couple of other practices. And we kind of put a brand to it, enhanced the user experience, enhanced the user interface and started marketing it to other doctors. So the, so a lot of my career before then was spent, I did work with some doctors and chiropractors over time, like in the past, but that when I jumped on with this anesthesiologist and we built a company, we called it MediYeti, still goes on today, still helping dozens of health practitioners, hundreds of staff members, thousands of claims, millions maybe not billions, but soon will be billions of dollars of claims running through the system. And I got to really understand healthcare information technology and the problems therein and the opportunities and the possibilities. But through this whole experience, I got to find and learn and confirm that doctors have so much on their plates with the technology that they use. And then that most of the doctors, I mean, obviously... Medical doctors these days are often employed by a larger healthcare company organization, whether it be a nonprofit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But often, they're if they're employed or they're maybe a contractor, they might not own the whole business, but they still have like their own businesses that they're dealing with. And lots of non-medical doctors, they like a dentist or a chiropractor. They own their business and they run their own finances and it just gets to be so much. It's it's challenging to run the finances of the business, even if you have a CPA or a bookkeeper, or if you're fortunate enough to have like a, let's just call them like a CFO for your practice if it gets that big, mm-hmm. but it, get, it really would get confusing. And so long story short, I, I had an exit from Medietti, the practice management company, and I was deciding what I was going to do with my time. And because I had worked with Reese Harper in the past, and he had really put together this beautiful system that was now, that's now a proprietary patented system for checking all of the financial indicators for a health practitioner, that that was the system that I knew health practitioners needed to be able to be their own CFO of their companies or have an expert who's a financial advisor or a professional expert, maybe a CPA, helping them understand the financial side of the business. Because if the finances aren't in order, it's really hard to feel good and be positive about the health care that's being provided. Okay, interesting. So pretty much 
you started in business and used your business knowledge to make connections in healthcare. And that's how you were able to connect with these doctors. And that's how you got the introduction into healthcare. But in doing so, working with the doctors, you realize that they wear many hats, right? And so your primary goal was to say, okay, how can I free up your time in this department so you could focus on what you're doing good? And so that's what you really learned in your initial experience with MediYeti. And then you just grew upon that by understanding the problem at a more deeper level and then going out and creating a platform to help identify those problems that you noticed in the previous company. That's correct. Yeah. Any doctor will say, or like most doctors will say that they didn't get much business training, Mm -hmm. not much financial training. That makes sense. There's so much to learn with anatomy and physiology and things that you understand way more than I do with your background in health. And so how is it possible to be an expert in medicine or dentistry or chiropractic and finances? And so this platform that we've created, Elements, it helps somebody understand and be an expert in their finances and have the support with their finances so that they can focus on being the best practitioner or professional service provider they can be. Okay. So like you guys are essentially taking over it for them, but at the same time, educating them so they're more aware of what they're going to have to be dealing with. Absolutely. This year, um, we're actually, we've already launched a beta version of the Elements app where a doctor or professional service provider will have in his or her pocket all of their financial element indicators, like their holistic financial health in their pocket at any time. And they can update things in real time. Some point in the near future, we'll have a lot of integrations with banks and accounts and insurance companies and so forth. But yeah, it keeps the provider informed through the technology of their financial situation. Interesting. And so you got, you mentioned that you're in beta or you guys are beta. Yep. Okay. You're in beta. And so I kind of want to talk about the strategy of actually growing that idea, right. And creating that platform. How did you go about connecting with these people and putting the right team together so that you guys can actually work on building the foundation of something that you could actually feel comfortable giving out to people? I would say it had to do with forming the right team getting the right people on the bus, and most importantly, thoroughly understanding the jobs that need to be done. There's a theory out there called jobs to be done theory. And it's kind of the opposite of let's just fail fast. Let's just see if this works. And if it doesn't work, then we'll iterate on it and try something else. And then like so much that gets done in the fail fast mentality, uh, like methodology or mentality is a lot of waste. And so Reese and his dev team, and I've assisted in this process, it's a very product-focused research with development. So thoroughly understanding what needs to be done in somebody's financial situation so that they embrace the habits of holistic financial health. So at Elements, we are designing and upholding the standard for holistic financial health by we've helped them for in this company like over a decade helping practitioners and using these things so we used it in a spreadsheet long before we built it in technology in an app because if we went straight to an app like we would have built the wrong things and uh-huh. even knowing exactly what we needed to build and we're still a little flexible to think that things could adjust and adapt based on the user interactions with the technology and the beta app 
But even already knowing exactly what they need or for the most part what they need, it's still costing a lot of money. And so if we were failing fast, it would cost so much more money with a team of developers and product engineers and UX and UI individuals. So instead of failing fast, you guys took a more data-driven approach where you gather as much data as you can, whether it's from the business side or the consumer side, and just understanding the problems and pain points and what you can put out there, right? Correct. Yeah, if basically the app and the technology in this situation is a phenomenally well-researched, in-depth spreadsheet with a beautiful user interface. Okay. But it's cost, it's, it'll, it'll cost millions of dollars once it's finished. But it's so intuitive for the user because we've included them along the way and used our expert knowledge of what makes good financial sense to build it and structure it. Nice. So you guys have the strategy, you guys have the data, and then you guys went out and built the platform. But how did you go about getting those first group of beta testers to come in and be like, hey, I have something that'll help you. Come try it out. (laughs) Because we were a company that's in operation and helping people like dentist advisors. So you introduced me as the director of strategy for dentist advisors. And that's like the professional services firm where we're helping professional service providers. And so we've been doing it all along, doing financial services, doing financial planning with health practitioners for over a decade. So we have all these people that we've interacted with, hundreds of clients, and we also have a podcast uh, that's called The Dentist Money Show. We get like about 20,000 downloads a month. And so there are just people that want to learn about what we have. And we've approached marketing from what's called like the buyer's journey perspective. So if you were to go to dentistadvisors.com, there's a world of education and information there. And so we are provide, we, we show everybody what the elements are. I mean, it's proprietary, so somebody can't exactly just copy it, but they could, if somebody wanted to use elements and build their own spreadsheet, in fact, we would probably just send them the spreadsheet that we use. That's fine. Like, because we want them to embrace those habits of holistic financial health, but because we're educating people who, as they're on this journey to find the right solution for their situation, they already knew about elements. So as soon as it was, as it was available in an app, like we have more people wanting to try the beta version of the app than we are wanting to let them use it. Ah, okay. So that's an interesting approach. So pretty much you guys have this data, you guys have this framework, so to say, and instead of just taking in people and charging them for it, you're giving out the basics, the foundation of knowledge that they need to know and giving it out to them for free. Absolutely. You're essentially bringing in, nurturing them along their buyer's journey by giving them free content, getting them educated and getting them comfortable with your way of thinking and the content you're putting out there. So when they do feel comfortable and they do want to actually make that leap, you guys are top of mind. Exactly. And then the people that have used the spreadsheet, they know that it's complex and it's very, very important to get everything right. So why not make sure, why not have a more comprehensive platform, handle it all for you with some prompts and other things that that just make it more intuitive and easy to interact with your professional service provider. So let's just put it this way. 
I won't be able to name everything, but a doctor. A doctor owns his medical practice, maybe in a partnership. And that doctor has a dozen professional service providers that help him or her. He's, the, the, there's the CPA, there's the insurance broker, insurance broker for health insurance, probably another insurance broker for like business, like the building insurance. And then you have the attorney, might, might be different than the estate planner. You have the financial planner. You also have just, just so many professional service providers within that business owner's life, that health practitioner's life. Mm-hmm. Elements will be a hub for that business owner, the health practitioner, to interact with all of that, those parts of her, his or her life. Okay, so it's not just for the provider when you actually are offering the service, you're bringing on the whole team. You don't have, we don't actually have a lawyer that is on our team that provides services. The, the health practitioner, the doctor, the business owner in this case, we'll say, might have a lawyer that they use and the app lets that lawyer look at the legal aspects of the doctor's life. So like, hey, I've got this, uh, somebody's, got a lawsuit against me or something like that. They just upload the stuff into the app and send it off to the lawyer. The lawyer looks at it through the app and says, yep, let's take care of this. Or a better example, and that's kind of like an example of something that could happen, but maybe a better example is like the CPA does all the taxes for the business owner and emails them to the doctor, the business owner. And now that can be that those taxes can live inside of elements. And then anybody who needs access to that information, then the doctor can choose who gets access to that tax return, whether it's now for the, like all of the loans that are being going on right now, or the CARES Act type stuff, like the PPP and the idle loans, Mm -hmm. like you need all those documents. And so this is a place to be a central hub of information for all of the service providers to the healthcare professional. Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting. So you're, you're organizing their practice for them in a way and being able to communicate with them effectively and putting the right pieces in place for if they need person A to see their content, they're able to give it to them. If they need person B, they, have, they can go back to the central hub and that person can go ahead and get access to that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's organizing the healthcare professional's life and giving them the control. Other financial planners or systems out there, often like the financial planner owns the plan, owns the system, and it takes the control away from the business owner, the one who actually has to have the control. So we believe that the business owner should be in the driver's seat, but keep in mind, like the app is a little bit more of a do-it-yourself. There's a, there's, there'll be chat support, there'll be a way for somebody to get help with all of it if they need it on the technical side. And then if they have some questions about their own financial situation, there's another service where they can actually have access to financial advisor. Mm -hmm. But then if they want a co-pilot in this system, they can basically upgrade to like the dentist advisors platform where somebody that will do most everything for the provider, the provider should still be in the driver's seat but you have somebody in the co-pilot seat helping do so much stuff, especially when you get to these providers that own multiple practices, have 
dozens of associates or even several associates. Like it just gets to be so complex that you really wouldn't want to do it all yourself and you'd want to outsource as much as you could, but you'd want to know everything that's going on. So you have this central hub for all of the information. Okay, interesting. And so what's really standing out to me is I want to like take a step back. We were getting real micro and real technical and I really like that. But if we want to look at it from a real macro point of view, pretty much you're able, you identified your target audience, which would be the doctors, right? And you notice that they have, they wear many hats in their practice and there's a lot of people in their network that are acting as service providers to helping them run their practice. And so essentially you created a platform that allowed them to organize their practice, free up some time, make processes more efficient and effective. And so a question I want to ask about the health tech industry in general to you is like, what should companies who are trying to reach out to doctors and service providers be focusing on, whether it's freeing up their time, whether it's helping them organize or whether it's educating them, which is what all of what you're doing. (laughs) I would say, make sure that your offering is crystal clear that they could look at one quick link from that you text them or email them or maybe like a one sheet of paper and they can be like, yes, I need help in those areas. And that system that you're offering is going to help me so much and even put the price on it. Like, yeah. And I'm willing to pay 500 bucks a month for you to do that for me because that would make sense. Oh, okay. And so another thing that caught my attention is, is, is that you said you had a podcast that you had launched as a, supplement to your company. And so what role does that platform play in helping get your message out and connecting with your audience? The podcast is really beneficial for growing an audience and providing value. Like we want to educate dentists, doctors, financial, like health professionals, professional service providers, we'll say, we just want to educate them. So even though like Reese or Reese Harper or Ryan Isaac, they're the, they're the hosts or co-hosts of the podcast. Often we have other guests on that know more about a specific area than we might. <laughs> and so it's providing the value to our audience so that they know that we are a trusted source of valuable information. And we screen the people that come on. Like we're not going to just let anybody on. Like I get several requests every week, if not daily of people that would like to come on and they just don't pass muster. Like they're, what they're providing isn't of true value. And that's because you understand your core audience and your target audience on a deeper level rather than just surface level of the general population. You really understand what problems and pain points that they're having. And you're bringing on guests who are able to speak to those, right? That's correct. And on that point, I would say that it's a lot of professionals who claim to be professionals, they don't understand a healthcare provider's situation deeply enough to be able to provide advice. Okay. So that it, you have to either know your craft so incredibly well or understand the, like the entire picture of the person you're trying to help before you can truly give help. In our case, we'll get like insurance guys who say, oh, this is what you need, doctor, like buy this policy. And Mm -hmm. it's just way out of line with what the doctor actually needs because they don't understand the, all the other financial components of the doctor's life. 
Awesome. And then I also think that's another amazing result of having a podcast. And especially, like you said, having guests who are smarter and maybe more educated in a specific field than you are, because it allows you to continually learn and continually understand what sort of value that you can, can put out there for people to consume that would be of value to them. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's really interesting. And another point I wanted to ask is like you have your podcast, right? And then you said to create a clear offer so that any doctor or somebody who sees your message or sees your core offer, it's easily understandable. So are there any tools or any softwares that you would recommend to actually like help get your message out there? Yeah, I honestly, it's so simple. Like if you can put it in a, in a Google document or a Google slide, and even if you're not an expert with like Google Docs or, you know, or Google Slides, do the best you can. Put your information on a, on a piece of paper, on a Word doc, whatever you can, and then give it to like a graphic designer and pay them 50 bucks to make it look beautiful. But as long as you know what you're providing, mm-hmm. then you can spell it out in an offering and then if you can't make it look incredible, there are people who can do that in an hour, maybe two hours time. So you can pay them $50, $100 and then, and then you'll have that digital asset. Okay. So really just understand what knowledge and what value you can bring and understand your strengths. And if there's a weakness or something you don't know, go ahead and find that person to pick up that end of the slack. Absolutely. Awesome. And so how are you... Like other than your general network and your experience of working in healthcare, how would you recommend somebody to really understand their audience and their target customer from a deeper perspective? Just talk to them. Like become a product manager of either your product or a product that you really are passionate about. And if you can get 20 minutes or an hour of your target audience's time, from one person, take it and just say like, and, and, and explore with them. Be like, this is what I'm thinking. I've done this in the past. I'm curious how you would feel about this. Or if we were to offer this type of thing, how would you receive that? How much would you pay for that? Or how much need do you have for this? So if you can do like that product research, then you can really understand the value of what you think you have to offer and if it's perceived the same as you think that it should be. Okay. So instead of just trying to, this kind of goes back to what you're saying earlier, instead of trying to fail fast and just create something you think the market would want, you have to survey them, get feedback from them, understand what they want, and then try to figure out how you can create that for them. Exactly. And please don't interpret this that it should take years or months. You could do this in a day, maybe a week, if you had enough of the interviews or times lined up with somebody. Fortunately, right now, well, not fortunately, but unfortunately, lots of health practitioners have a little bit more time. Not all, I mean, some, some doctors and nurses are actually spending more time and bless them for that. Like, and I hope that they can be okay from a health standpoint and stamina standpoint, but you might be able to get somebody's time right now where you're trying to build something that you wouldn't be if COVID-19 wasn't impacting us so much. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, Man, it's really interesting just hearing you talk about your journey and to where, how you got to where you're at now and what you're doing and how you're going about doing it, the strategy, um, the tools and the team that you have in place. And it 
clearly seems like you know what you're doing and you guys are moving in the right direction. But as an entrepreneur, we all know that it's never just ups, there's ups and downs. And so can you kind of speak to some obstacles and challenges you face as an entrepreneur in, in your journey right now and how you're able to overcome them? Yeah, thank you. And I agree with what you're saying. Like, we have to be willing to pivot. Even though we're trying not to fail, or we're trying to do research so that we don't fail, like our failures still occur. Something that we think might be received in a certain way might not get as much adoption as we prefer. And so like in my career, I've had lots of pivots from business owner to student to consultant to tech company owner, and then back now to like kind of like a consultant advisor or, you know, directing strategy for a company. Like I've had to pivot all along the way and learn and understand that what I knew 20 years ago when I started wasn't enough. And so I had to build myself up and learn, you know, professional and personal development, Mm -hmm. as well as interacting with people who are willing to help share with me my pitfalls and be vulnerable. And so being willing to pivot and being willing to believe that we don't have all the answers and surrounding ourselves with good people who can help us get there, who are willing to improve themselves and just build something better, knowing that we can do great work, but there's probably always room for improvement. Yeah, it's interesting. It kind of goes into my next question that I had for you, which would have been, what advice would you give to somebody (laughs) who's trying to start a company in this industry? She kind of touched on that. Yeah. Mm, That's interesting. And so I guess one, another thing that I wanted to ask you about is you're the business guy and you have a team together and your role is the director of strategy. How do you go about finding the people to fulfill the roles that you're not good at and identifying which areas are important to grow in the business that you may necessarily not be skilled at and how do you go about finding them? Consultants can bridge that gap. And once you're paying consultant more than what you could hire somebody that's about as skillful as that consultant to do, uh, then that's a good time to like bring somebody on. Unless you just love that consultant, you know that it's the right way to do it. But sometimes we'll bring a consultant in for like two to four hours a week to help us with something. Sometimes just two hours a quarter, maybe, or just a two-hour project, maybe. Oh, okay. So if we can identify the, like, the project, and if that project becomes an actual job that needs to be continually done, then we can fill that role. And sometimes even though we might not be the best at what what needs to be done and we know there's better people for it. If we like, if we can't find a consultant, maybe we do the best that we can and then find the consultant. Or sometimes we do the best that we can identify everything that we're doing. And then in the interview process, we could say if we're hiring for like a marketing role or for whatever role, like this is what we're doing. Here's some examples of it. How would you improve it? And then you can get real, it's like a case study, but off of your own business. So you get some advice. And I'm not suggesting to do this to get a bunch of free consulting, but you want to gauge somebody's ability to help the problem that you're trying to solve. Gotcha. Because when you're hiring a consultant, you're paying for more of their mindset and their strategy and their way of thinking versus the actual labor to get it done. In some cases, yeah. Okay. So like consultants are there to really just bridge that gap from where you're at and where you want to be and then just giving you 
the strategies to get there and connecting you to the right people? Sometimes consultants will actually come in and provide the role. Like you could, like you can hire a marketing agency to do your digital marketing. If, if what they're willing to do it for is a price that you're willing to pay, you might, might not be the best digital marketer. And so you can get like an agency or a consultant to do work. Sometimes it comes at a premium and sometimes that's worth it, especially because they're experts. And, and as long as there's like, you're measuring the success, then it, then it makes a lot of sense. So I would say that sometimes a consultant comes in to pinpoint problems to help you do it better. And then maybe you have to hire somebody to fill those roles. But sometimes you can get consultants to come and actually execute the work and get this stuff done. Okay. So it's really just understanding from a high level what your priorities are in terms of your business and what goals you want to accomplish first. Yeah, I would say that's a good way to look at it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, man, you kind of provided a lot of value and a lot of uh, <laughs> learning knowledge for me during this podcast. So I just really want to thank you for that. But we're coming, approaching the end of the podcast and we've been diving into a lot of technical stuff, a lot of uh, deep conversation. But I kind of want to end on a more lighter note with something I call the rapid fire round. Uh, okay. So I'm going to ask you just a couple questions and you just answer with whatever comes to your head. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? I would say How to Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. Okay. And who is the most influential person in your life or career? Honestly, there are a lot of business people and professionals who I admire, like Reese Harper, the guy that I work with. But my wife, Lindsay Spencer, she's such a great support to me and she's so good at helping me be a better person. So a bunch of business people and for sure my wife. Awesome. Shout out Mrs. Spencer. (laughs) <laughs> and then what is one goal you want to accomplish this year? Uh, I really want to get our Elements platform into the hands of thousands of people. Thousands. Awesome. And then last one, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Try harder. Do a little bit more. Like the 80-20 rule applies kind of in this situation. Sometimes we have great ideas. We take them 80% of the way there. But if we would just take them another 10, 15, maybe 20%, not say you have to do everything 100%, but push a little bit harder, push a little bit farther, and you, there'll be better results. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that would be a great way to uh, end today's podcast, man. So I just want to thank you. Like I said, I learned a lot just from your background in business and how you're able to get into healthcare and into back into business again and dealing with uh, softwares and whatnot and really just some stuff I learned on this podcast is that you identify the doctors wear many hats. They deal with a large network of people. And if you really want to have a successful company in this sector, you need to be able to provide value to them in the form of being able to make their processes more efficient, freeing up their time, um, improving their communication. And so those are some key takeaways that I personally was able to learn. And so I just really want to thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on as a guest. No problem. Is there anything you want to share? Where can people find you? Website, social media? Yeah, for sure. I'm on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, Kyle Spencer, Utah, I think is an easy way to find me. Or Kyle Spencer, MBA. But dentistadvisors.com is a good place to come find out about us. Give us a call, ask questions. Pretty soon you'll be able to find us at getelements.com as well. Yeah, I love this. All righty. Well, I appreciate you hey, jumping on, man. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu. 
founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.